0: In times like these, being a citizen is a big job. Thank you for joining us to celebrate the virtues of self rule and debate the state of our republic. Welcome to the Citizens' Prerogative Podcast. This is the voice of your nerdy host, Michael Piscatelli, and we are blessed with a co host whose passion for our republic precedes him everywhere he goes, Raymond Wong Jr.
1: Thank you, thank you. I just want to be in full disclosure that I will be kneeling throughout this entire episode. Way to protest.
0: This is episode number 46. We're in season three, and the title of this episode may be Pledge of Allegiance. And in true fashion or fit to form, we're actually going to spend the next few minutes, 30 minutes or so with you, talking about the Pledge of Allegiance, just that there's nothing... Nothing hidden here. Um, But it's still going to be fun and interesting. And we're still going to have some call to actions.
1: I was excited about this one, Mike. As soon as I saw it, saw it in my eyes, I just thought, oh, good, because we both have that common thread. We both were anti Allegiance. I think we spoke about it when we were teenagers early on. You and I clarified a couple of things right up front. Star Trek, yes, and Pledge of Allegiance, no. I just know that about us early on. It must have been like something we said to everyone we met.
0: Probably, yeah. At a young age we were very free speech oriented.
1: To a fault. I know that you've been kicked out of your, uh, your kicked out of certain religious institutions because of your free speech ways. I've been in plenty of detentions I know in my life um, just for saying the wrong thing, calling it out. So uh, this is the Pledge of Allegiance. Oh my! If there's nothing more communist in our system, with all the communists being thrown around, the Pledge of Allegiance, I can't think of a more idealistic or or communist value that's in our system today. And we've really learned a lot about it. So I'm excited to share.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna um, pile on a little layer of precision from my perspective on that. It's I would say it's nationalistic. Right. Doesn't matter what mm, form of governance um, your government chooses, you know, something, a pledge of allegiance, literally. I mean, you're pledging your allegiance. And this is outside of the framework of uh, immigration or naturalization or anything like that. So with it, why don't we dive into the history? I mean, it's kind of fun. So we're going to go, we're going to talk a little bit about what, why do we have this thing? What is it? I think most people know, but most people don't think about it either. So it's fun just to kind of pull it up and, you know, see if we're on the same page with our assumptions and understandings. Talk a little bit about the history because I knew it had a history, but just like many of the things that we talk about, I don't necessarily know what all the history was until I start looking into it. It's always fascinating. And then we'll cover a little bit over the controversies before we get into call to action. So just to wrap it up. So Ray, wh- wh- what's the deal with the the Pledge of Allegiance? Why am I, why am I pledging any, any allegiance and what am I pledging it to?
1: The Pledge of Allegiance seems like it's mostly military focused. It seems like its origins uh, come from a sort of Allegiance to the flag is the original origin. So what we found so far, first version, and again, history is told by the winners of war. So we don't know exactly if everything's true here. But uh, in 1892, apparently was the first version. And just to keep the language quite plain, I pledge allegiance to my flag and the republic for which it stands, one nation, indivisible, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. And the language is quite plain there, I think. I don't know about you.
0: Yeah, and, and I was uh, surprised. It's, it's relatively old, I mean, relatively speaking, in terms of how old the United States is in any case. And it's remarkably intact. I mean, it's very similar to the one I think you and I learned growing up. Um, and just as it is in the name the Pledge of Allegiance, I think it was, it was created to instill in
1: people a sense of uh, loyalty, loyalty to the republic. I mean, but not even generally everyone, because what I'm seeing is that it was it was kind of a naturalization thing as well. So it was more of a policy heavily in naturalization. In fact, it's just the states and school systems adopted it and made it more of this what I would have called maybe communist ideals. but I like the way you're saying it, these nationalist ideals um, and and institute them in in the education system. But it appears it was really focused around um, some kind of ceremonies or and and I guess throughout history, all nations have these ceremonies where you pledge some kind of allegiance and, and we needed one. But for some reason, the original wasn't good enough. Um, I think for once in the United States, we got it right in the first phase because this one here seems very benign compared to the one I see today.
0: Yeah, that's right. Uh, when it first came out, it wasn't exactly anything official. you know, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily state backed, uh, nationalistic prayer, so to speak. It uh, was a former, I guess a farmer former officer in the Civil War. So one of the original versions, they came out with later on, uh, they were the head of like public schools in New York or something like that. And they came out with it. And like you said, uh, to help, I'll use the word indoctrinate immigrants, new immigrants to the United States and help them understand that, I guess, in theory, we are a land of laws, right? We believe in the Republic and the Constitution and and all those wonderful things, and then over time it does get adopted, right? Through as history rolls forward, we get some revisions where instead of pledging our allegiance to the Republic, eventually we're pledging our allegiance to the United States um, or the flag of the United States instead of the flag of the Republic. As you said, it's always been the flag
1: that we're pledging allegiance
0: to, which. It's kind of peculiar. <laughs>
1: well, I, 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 I'm, look, can we segue here? Because yeah. as we're speaking, I start to like rethink this. It says, "I pledge allegiance to my flag and the republic for which it stands." So, I can. Doesn't that language mean that I could be respectful of the state flag? I mean, if the state flag is still part of the union, is it not for the republic of which it stands? what if i'm more of a states person what if i'm more of a federalist this seems like it speaks to states rights too much i don't know if you think that fits at all
0: totally agree yeah that makes perfect sense around this time especially right in the late 18 even in the late 1800s we didn't necessarily as individuals in america have a sense of being americans i you know i was more i was from connecticut or you're a New Yorker, or you know, you you more closely identify with the state you're from. And it's a good point to bring that up because that comes up throughout historical texts, the fact that we don't have a national fabric, or that the, you know, the early founders and people who came shortly after talked about the fact that we don't really have a national fabric. And when they would go overseas, I'm digressing, but like Ben Franklin stuff, when they would go overseas, right, on diplomatic missions, they would lament when they would hear people identify with the city or the state. Nobody spoke of being of or from the United States or from America. So that is an interesting thing. And I think it does reflect that. It reflects my allegiance, the flag of my republic, which is my state republic.
1: So you're saying it's rooted rooted in somewhere good, right? Trying to build a common thread, a commonality, but then it was... Perhaps hijacked throughout history and taken too far, right? So the original intention, good. um and, and I do like this idea that if you support your state, you still support the union. But there's no. So let's let's move forward. Like, doesn't why did get it change? Too, yeah. Why did it change, Mike?
0: It, yeah, and I don't think it expresses any preference. Like you said, you're either a states' rights person or you're a federalist. So I don't think the original version treads on any of that. Everybody gets to. To wear that badge, so to speak. And then, um, like you're mentioning, time rolls forward, and at some point, um, we start modifying it for the purposes that suit the times. So you see start you start to see some changes that happen around the 1920s, and then eventually in the 1950s. Um in the 1920s, it was a big shift towards recognizing the United States. Um, inserting that into the pledge, because up until that point, it was just to the Republic. So um, we definitely wanted to illustrate the fact that uh, we were highlighting the union. I think there was another piece to that, Ray, when we were doing the research, right, in the 20s.
1: I mean, I just want to say something culturally as well, though, we're in the 20s again. So any of you that are thinking about what are you seeing that's going on, the world is so crazy that the last 20s were were a major shift in the way we thought, lived, and thought of the American dream and the American people, frankly. From the 20s to the 50s, we saw major movements in the rights of people. And we're there again. It's been 100 years. The fever pitch is here. People feel it. Uh, so, when we talk about this, so what happens when there's this fever pitch? Sometimes it's used to make good policy. And sometimes it's used to kick the can down the road. And I think doing things like changing the Pledge of Allegiance, right, and forcing people to say it in in schools, and then making it about the United States at that point. So there was a lot of fervor around this, right, Mike? We found that during this time period, especially around this 1924 period, they changed it basically twice and enhanced it. So it was a very dynamic time, and they enhanced it because of – um, the essentially the idea was the Monroe Doctrine, that ideal was that the United States interests were all of America. So the United States piece was before first, but then they added United States of America. And I think it's that whole shift of get away from your individualism and your states and focus on the nation as a whole and the nation who governs this wild place being the Americas. And so that's mostly what it showed me. I don't know if you you saw anything different as you look through.
0: No, that's a good point to to bring up about the Monroe Doctrine because that was also a signal to Europe and other global powers at the time that the Americas were for the United States. United States is of America and the Americas are of the United States in a sense. So stay out of our backyard, which We'll talk about some other time because it's kind of funny. <laughs> it's a little ridiculous on the surface and, uh, and I don't think it stands the test time. But anyway, it does make it into the pledge after, um, you know, 1924. So we've got the United States of America. Woohoo, And then the last change. last major update it went through in 1954. And this was this is the era of McCarthyism, right? Rise of communism around the world. And people you know, are worried about our republic form of governance or this idea of self-governance and rule by laws is being threatened, being threatened by a global rise of communism. And so in order to differentiate ourselves on the world stage against communism, we picked on something that was unique about the US, um, but probably went a little too far. Because it wasn't the government thinking for itself. It was a bunch of other constituents that band together to add under God to our pledge, our pledge of allegiance to the United States. So in the 50s, we cemented God, but this isn't the only place it happens in the 50s. It, this is when it gets on to our currency as well, right? In our coins, when we say, in God, we trust. In God, we trust showed up around the same time for the same motivations as under God showed up in the pledge in the 1950s because we were a Christian nation against atheist communist states. The truth is we we were a state that did not choose a religion. It allowed people to practice religion freely. That is not expressed in under God. So you can see where the special interest (laughs) bled into the thing. Yeah, we are different from secular communist states because secular communist states typically prevent widespread religion. It detracts from interest in the state. It detracts from nationalism. In the US, you have the freedom to practice any religion you want, regardless of what some religions may say. We have freedom, religious freedom, as well as speech. So they didn't celebrate that plurality. They didn't celebrate the freedom aspect. They added under God, which is very interesting, and doesn't reflect the whole nation necessarily, um, but definitely the interest group that got it modified in the fifties.
1: It, it it reflects um, something that we should talk about after midroll, but I, I want. To be clear that the, you know, my, the research we found is that the daughters of the revolution were involved in, in this and, and there was a huge push from the organization and there were very, very strict religious organizations who started to change the pledge. And basically in ye old fashion, they did, they created what they created a um, something that went viral in the old days, and they eventually use the old groundswell of public opinion to change it. But the people behind it, it just seemed quite nefarious. And that, that's always what's disappointing to me about history is you always pull back the layers and see there's really bad news. But I also don't understand why we don't d- dive deeper into it as a culture, because it's quite interesting, because it's th- there's bad guys all over the world.
0: And bad is relative. Some people just... Believe in belief systems, I suppose, that are misguiding them, right? Um, I, I hope to assume that they have had good intentions, but uh, their methods were very poor. And now we have to live with it, live with it or fix it. So, with that, how about uh, time for a message from our sponsor, Citizen Do Good? Politics is war simply without bloodshed a saying paraphrased from mao that rings true to today the war for liberty and justice for us all is never over and every battle counts our republic still holds the promise of our republic and it is up to us to unleash its potential the time is now to reimagine ourselves and our systems of governance for the dawning of a new age We are a proud sponsor of the Citizen's Prerogative Podcast, a major partner in spreading the good word about civic love and the power of change for us all. At Citizen Do Good, we plan to continue to have these conversations so that all citizens are encouraged to invest in themselves and in their communities. Keeping that goal in mind, we need your help to stay on mission and grow this community. Help spread the word by sharing your favorite posts or Citizen's Prerogative Podcast episode from our sponsor's Facebook page, Citizen Do Good. Feel free to use the hashtag CDG when you share. Feel free to share any suggestions you have directly through the Contact Us page at our website at citizendogood.com. Thanks for your support.
1: I'm kind of amazed as we start to peel back this topic how um, they're trying again. You know, they're trying the old old tropes, again, they're, they're pulling communism out. Um, they're throwing that buzzword around, giving it momentum, all in the sake of changing our republic again, all in the namesake of trying to change the literature that's available in our schools and our structures. It's, it's strange and people should feel kind of like they're going crazy because it is. It's, it's, it's a crazy group of people trying the old thing that worked This whole communism game where they switched up the Pledge of Allegiance, if you really pull back, it looks like the same card games being played. And I don't think the people are going to fall for it again. I think we're finally above it due to the uh, excess of information um, that's available to people. But I, I believe that based on just what we're seeing here is that they're just playing the same old card and many people are falling for it. Uh, many people don't have their poker face ready for this uh, but we i believe that citizen do good has enabled us to really be in a position to try to help you along um but i don't know how you feel about that mike is this is this a is this a time warp are we in a paradox living in a a second version of what they pulled off before like hey we got we changed the entire country last time right the 1950s saw substantial changes in 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 progress, but also also some restrictions, right? And then progressively, we've seen voting rights start to degrade, et cetera, et cetera. So, are we back at that boiling point?
0: You know, it's a it's a really interesting thing. This group psychology and motivation around fear, hate, the things that take us away from collaboration, construction, creation. There are many sides to each of us, and it's a choice all of us have to make. What's the phrase? The wolf you feed? (laughs) Which wolf? Which bear? Which which aspect of your personality? Because there's multiple versions of each aspect you can create. It just depends on, on what you feed. And what I'm trying to bring it back to, not to be so highfalutin or esoteric or whatever out there about it, um, is just this idea that it's always a current. There's always a little bit of warm and a little bit of cold in the water. Sometimes they blend really well. Sometimes they really contrast against each other, but it's always swirling in the same body of water, in the same body of people, in the same body of minds. Um, in groups and fear, th- there are some clear telltale signs. And, and when you take a step back, it's the easiest way to test it is you know, where, what is the motivation? Where is it coming from? What motivation is it trying to stoke within me? Is it playing my fear chord? Is it playing my anger chord? Is it playing my joy chord? Is it playing? You know, is it, is it speaking to something that motivates me to do something good for others or to attack others? Who, what wolf is this feeding? Uh, the one that wants to attack or the one that wants to love? And it's tricky because I'm just talking about the mechanism, right? They use fear one way or another, whether it's communism it's the fear you're going to lose your country, whatever you think that is. Um, it's, it doesn't matter, insert noun. <laughs> fear comes before it, the fear of or the loss of. Um, and the same was happening here. We were, we were fighting communism, but they were fighting a different war. So to the point you were making, I guess the boogeyman effect, right? Oh, be afraid of communism. And in order to do that, we're going to take these actions, but these actions are not the communism war actions. We're not taking actions to fight the communism war. We're stoking your fear and getting the motivation behind this, kind of how we went to a war in Iraq and stuff, as under one set of pretenses, getting you excited about one set of ideas. But the real motivation, the real real reason they're doing it is just to push some other agenda, some other thing going on. So it's multi-layered. now. I don't think it matters as much what their agenda is, not unless I'm, you know, I'm working for the justice department and I'm putting together a court case, but just as a citizen on the sidelines, all I need to do is get my fear test out, my sniff test. Is there fear? Is there anger? What, what is this group? What is the purpose of this change? Is this change bringing us together? Is this collaborative? Is this constructive? Or is this going to leave me angry? Is this going to leave me fearful? You know, and and is my next choice, my next action, being decided based on that? That's what's most important right now because we're we're in that state, like you said. You know, the pendulum swinging. We're in a very high energy time, high emotion time, and we have to be careful because these are the moments when people can tip things very easily. And that's what happened in one of these times. I'm harping on this and it sounds weird and crazy, but it, I, mean, it, it, I can just say this bullet point, 1954, and I, I'm trying to give you the flavor and the color because this is what it was like. This is what it felt like for people. Um, and I know some people feel it more than others, but I think everybody feels it in some way. right? Everybody's on high anxiety uh, because the common enemy is not outside of the United States. It feels like it's in the United States right now. And that's how it was back then when communism, McCarthyism and everything was happening. People were spying on their neighbors and all kinds of crazy things. So we have to be cautious. We have to, you know, we don't want to go back. We don't want to repeat some of these things. We need to remember these lessons.
1: I guess the boogeyman effect is, and the truth is, when they add the same challenges we do, they were, they were Americans just like we were. So they have the same oppressive police system. Probably inequitable pay, uh, same system, same issues, um, same pendulum. We're all working from the same thing. So we really have to identify what happened, what caused these things and, and learn from them. So we're not saying that. It's the answer to everything. but you, know, especially for, for Mike and I, we dig into these subjects, we go deeper, And then we go deeper again to make sure we're understanding the topic, where it came from. I always knew about the communists. like We changed it because of communism. But to understand that there were actual political organizations that were creating groundswell and religious organizations specifically that had a motivation. And that's what's disappointing. If there wasn't this great intention and a little girl came up with it and the whole nation fell in love with her and decided to do it. There's nothing beautiful or poetic about the story behind the Pledge of Allegiance, and every component of it should be removed. I think every component that isn't part of its original value should be removed. And I, I think there's no other answer to the Pledge of Allegiance from a solution standpoint. Yeah,
0: yeah, we'll have some call to actions. We're going to take a stab at replacing. We're going to take a stab at replacing the Pledge of Allegiance because I don't want to let it go. I want to make it better. I want to change it for a new age, (laughs) Uh, but before we get there, just a little bit about the controversies, because we know the Pledge of Allegiance. You you opened us up today on the episode about taking a knee or kneeling, and and I think it's around this idea of controversy around the Pledge of Allegiance and free speech and. And we don't want things to get lost or caught up in all this craziness out here right now that we're in. We're in it. It's around us. So we have to try and control ourselves as much as we can and how we think about these things. But taking a step back, we all have the freedom of speech. And likewise, we have the freedom not to speak. We have the freedom not to participate. And specifically in regards to the pledge, there's a long history of of courts protecting an individual's liberties. To, to not speak, not say the pledge. You're, you're not required to. Um, and that's fine. And it's interesting because it's the same concept with religion. You are free you are free from having to have any religion. Um, and the state is required not to condone any religion. Like it's just, you know, live and let live, hands off, be free, do what you want to do as long as you're not murdering people and whatnot, right? We have those laws um same thing with speech so somebody doesn't want to say the pledge so be it. it you wonder about it ask them the question this is not something that we need to be dividing and tearing each other up and over and up and down about um that's and it's not the purpose of it i mean the purpose of it is to in my opinion stoke that kind of perspective it's a view it's your relationship with the republic and you know what <laughs> If you're sour about it, it's your right to, to air your grievances.
1: Respect, respect that right. Right. And I want to be, I love this, Michael. It's a good conversation on that because someone has the right to have this feeling to, to protest. Someone has the right to ignore the, pro, the, and then what's great is that you can ask them, Hey, what's your problem? And they have the right to not respond. That's the beauty of our circular system of protection. It's all about us and the and the government and the authority and our teachers, nobody wanted us to know that we actually have every right to tell people to shove it.
0: Yeah, we got to fix that too. <laughs> Thank you. That's all I've got for controversy so we can move into call to action.
1: It's, it's, it's all good. And frankly, for me, the call to action is kneeling. I haven't been in a situation yet where I could kneel because of COVID, but I'm waiting for that situation where, I well, if there's a flag and there's a Pledge of Allegiance. And what I believe the right call to action is to have the the original Pledge of Allegiance in your pocket. This is what I'm going to do, have the original Pledge of Allegiance in my pocket, and I'm going to kneel. And when people have a problem, I'm going to give them the card with citizendogood.com on it, and I'm going to tell them that I will stop kneeling once we return to the original Pledge of Allegiance.
0: Why don't you give it to
1: us for one more time so everybody can hear it? Or do you want me to go? I pledge allegiance to my flag and the republic for which it stands, one nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. You know, without all those extra words, it's pretty clear.
0: I agree. Crystal clear. All right. So... I appreciate that. So the first call to action is feel free to kneel or do whatever you want um, when it comes to the pledge or participate, because sometimes it feels good. Um, I appreciate the pledge. I like the idea of a pledge, but I also agree that it it should be a tool that we can wield and, and use for us, for our own purposes and our relationship with the Republic. So. With that spirit in mind, I offer you an alternative, Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the Constitution of the United States of America, and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, among the stars, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. This episode has been brought to you by Subtlety. <laughs> oh, we were all about the semantics on today's episode, but I think you got the big picture here. Um, try not to get down on the pledge unless you're trying to say something about it. I think that's going to wrap us up for today's episode. We have been your hosts. Thank you to Mr. Raymond Wong Jr.
1: Thank you, Mr. Piscatelli. This truly has been a pledge of allegiance to the people, I believe
0: been something that's for sure for information on this and other episodes head over to citizen and click on podcast while you're there hit up the contact us page and leave a comment we'd love to hear from the community special thanks to you our listeners we saved the best for last you are the best and you have been for years thank you for your support we know it's painful and we love you intro music sampled from ok class by ozzy jocks under creative commons license through freemusicarchive.org other music provided royalty free through Fizzle and Studios Inc.